Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with entrepreneur, author, and host of the Coming Clean podcast, Peter Estevez. Thanks for coming on the show, Peter. Thank you, Jonathan. Happy to see you. Yeah, happy to see you. And just like we were talking about, I had the pleasure of coming on the Coming Clean podcast a while back. And during that, I got to learn a little bit about your life and your experience with recovery. But I'd like to dive in a little bit deeper here today, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. Happy to do it. Awesome. Awesome. So where did your relationship with addiction actually start, would you say? You, you know, honestly, I think it started at a very, very long, young age. I, uh, I started drinking probably I was about 12 years old. Uh, and I, I don't remember how I was introduced to alcohol. Although alcohol is very commonly seen in the house. You know, I grew up in a, in a very dysfunctional household. You know, my parents were, my father was a blue collar worker. Mom was a homemaker. I am one of 13 children. I'm a middle child. So there was a lot of dysfunction. There was a lot of poverty. There was a lot of despair in the home. And I think every single one of us at that age, you know, we're kind of trying to find our own way in whatever way we could just because, you know, just because, my parents were busy trying to figure out how to raise 13 kids. You know, my parents immigrated to the United States with a family when I was 10 years old. So, you know, in pursuit of the American dream, but little thing uh, did they realize that the American dream could very quickly turn into a nightmare. And, you know, raising 13 children on, on, on minimum wage or, or probably just a little bit better was not an easy path for my father and my mother. Uh, I do remember the particular occasion that was actually at, we lived in a two-bedroom, one-bath home, frame, wow. less than 900 square feet. You know, the girls slept, uh, slept in bunk beds all in one room. Mom and dad had their bedroom, and the boys slept in sleeping bags in the living room. That was our living quarters. That's just the way life was. But I do remember one particular occasion actually being in my mom's closet, having one of those telephones with a long cord, you know, back, back in the day. And I was in the phone talking to somebody. I can't remember who it was. And I actually had, had snicked in a six pack of beer into my mother's closet. My mom was laying in bed watching telenovelas, completely oblivious that I was in her closet drinking beer at the age of 12 years old. You know, and from there, my journey kind of uh, spiraled out of control. You know, I, 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 I think in a course of trying to, to get lost from my reality, I was finding all of my isms, you know, including alcoholism. You know, I wanted to escape from where I was. I, I was running so far and so fast from where I came from that I kept running into things that would take me away from my reality. And it turned into, you know, women, into lying, cheating, deceiving, controlling, manipulating, you know, uh, drinking alcohol. Um, But then 
you know, at, at the same time, growing up in that type of environment, you become very resourceful out of necessity. You know, I, I always say that entrepreneur was discovered in poverty, okay? Because you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to be creative to be able to yeah. survive. Sure. To be able to, 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 to just kind of uh, have a little bit of a better life. So that carried me into, into you know, high school, uh, some college at the time. And then I went into the real estate business. And uh, I, you know, at the age of 24, uh, I, I became extremely, extremely successful. By the age of 25, I had become a multimillionaire. Um, but just as easy as I accomplished success, I always found a way of sabotaging it, you know, and, 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 and primarily through alcohol. You know, I, 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 I started not feel, uh, I, I felt out of place. I felt I was not enough. Uh, I felt like sooner or later, somebody was going to discover, find me out that I was not as successful, as intelligent, as smart as people thought I was, and that my house, of course, was going to collapse. And when you live like that, that's not sustainable. Some, at some point, the house is going to collapse. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So now you're, you're describing this starting at 12. Uh, <laughs> And I, I'm just kind of thinking about this. I mean, you described how small this house was. And uh, I mean, it's just kind of a crazy thing that that our parents don't notice this stuff going on sometimes. But you start, you know, drinking a little bit around 12 and it, it progresses from there. You become very successful uh, in your 20s. And what is the uh, the alcohol or the drug abuse looking like around that time period? Well, Jonathan, the more money I made, the more I drank. You know, the further I, I, I wanted to get, uh, I, I wanted to get away from myself, and the closer I kept running into myself at the same time. Because what happens is, anytime that you are dealing with unresolved issues, they're going to chase you until you settle down, until you stop, okay, pause, and address them. It's just that simple. And my way of escaping was to drinking more alcohol, um, you know, chasing more women, buying another Mercedes or a Porsche or whatever toy it was at the time buying a brand new suit or a new tie, a new pair of shoes, whatever it was, it would make me feel better. I was constantly seeking, persistently seeking uh, immediate gratification because I, there was an empty hole at the center of my soul. And I, I there, it, there was nothing that was going to fit that hole unless I stopped and paused. So I can tell you that that spiraled completely out of control into multiple marriages, multiple partnerships, multiple uh, uh, successes and failed businesses, multiple partnerships, friendships that would destroy as a result of my behavior. I was literally the classic tornado that tore through everything in, 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 in front of me. Wow. Wow. And so where does this have to get? I mean, you're talking about, you just said it, you know, multiple marriages, all these things going on. Um, and and I this is always an interesting dynamic to me. And as I'm listening to your story, when someone is so successful on the material side and like you did like you built up this amazing business and made all this money and then everything else is just you know as you're describing is kind of falling apart so where does this have to get for you to say okay maybe this is something i need to do something about maybe there's a real problem here you know i think uh, you know we'll have to have our own journey and we all have to have our own journey but actually our crossroads is very similar for a lot of us. There, ha there has to come a point where we meet at a crossroads and we have to make a decision how we're going to continue that, right? 
and, and for me, I think, uh, although I was sabotaging a lot of things, every time I sabotaged something else, that was just my journey. Every time I sabotaged the relationship, the partnership, the business, the success, I kept learning a little something about myself and I kept digging deeper. I just have not gotten to the end of the tunnel. I still had to travel that, that, that journey. And, you know, I eventually was able to marry the love of my life, who is my son's mother, and we are not divorced, you know, and, and, and she began to open up my eyes in a different way than nothing else happened, right? You know, I had the big 14,000 square feet, boom, you know, I, I, I was, I thought, quote unquote, accepted in society, you know, I, I was rubbing shoulders with, 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 with celebrities and, and, and prominent people in my city, I was doing all, and the appearance, everything looked good, and at that, at that point, this started to kick in where I knew I wanted to stop. I just did not know how. I knew that there was something wrong with me. I knew that that you know that 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 I had a problem. Okay, I, I didn't know no. I did not know how to fix it. And and really, the turning point for me was at a Halloween party. My son, who is now in college, and you and I talked about that a minute ago. I was six months old. It was a Halloween party. It was, you know, I lived in a country club community. Uh, one of the neighbors had a party. I went over to their to their homes. My go-to with alcohol, uh, my skatism turned into promiscuity. You know, I, I I often say that, you know, that when I drank, I had the confidence of John Wayne, the looks of George Clooney, the swagger of King Eastwood, and the best moves of John Travolta. Okay. The reality is that I was just a filthy drunk. Okay. And I thought I was cool and suave. And, and uh, I was appropriate to, to the host of the party, to his wife. You know, we were flirting with one another. The husband found out. He picked me up from, from, from the back of my neck and threw me out of his house. I don't remember that happened. It was a classic blackout. Now, this is a completely different story. Now, this is beginning, the cracks are beginning to show because now I'm in a prominent community. I'm a prominent businessman. Uh, I'm respected in my community. I'm several circles, you know, and, and, and boards like that. So this is now an actual problem. You know, before I was just the boy in the hood that was making it, right? Now I'm beginning to become, I'm the father, I'm the husband, I'm a prominent businessman, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing things differently. And now I am invading and disrespecting my neighbor's wife, okay? I didn't remember what had happened, but next morning or next uh, late morning, uh, one of my neighbors, uh, Kathy Nicholson, calls me and she asked me how I'm doing. I said, I'm doing fine. And she says, where is Sharon? I said, Sharon, went to a party. She says, uh, have y'all talked about what happened last night? I said, what happened last night? She said, you don't remember, do you? I said, nope. So she recanted the story for me. And I mean, I just went into this, to a different kind of hangover, what I call the moral hangover okay i just i, I mean i just I, I i broke i broke into pieces and i realized that i had done it again and that that this was something that i was completely out of line for some reason i knew that this was not just you know that this that i was in trouble that i needed help beyond beyond myself okay and uh first thing i did as 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 a typical addict you know damage control i called the wife let find out how much she knows, how much she doesn't remember. The deal with my wife is that she was my drinking party, partner, okay? So, so she drank just as much as I did. She didn't remember what had happened. We, neither one of us could remember how we got home. 
Mm. So I did the damage control and I told her what had happened, what Kathy had told me. And the first thing, the first words out of my wife's mouth were, you're out of control, you need to do something or we're getting a divorce. And for some reason that frightened me very much, Jonathan. I think because I, I, I for the first time, I had felt a little bit of a shift in me and I realized that, that you know, I had a son now, you know, and a wife and, and I, I was in love with this woman and, and, and she had accepted me with all of my demons, the demons that she knew about me anyway, okay? And uh, so sure enough, I called my therapist, I set up an appointment, uh, Dr. Warsham, I show up uh, to his office uh, Monday morning. I recount the act, the incident with him. And the first thing out of his board's mouth is, Peter, you know, I don't know how to tell you this because we have never brushed this subject, but you have one of the most accrued cases of alcoholism I ever seen. And, uh, and unfortunately, there is no medical treatment for, for, for alcoholism, okay? The only known uh, remedy, okay, temporary remedy, is abstaining from it, and uh, also uh, a, through a support group by Alcoholics Anonymous. I suggest that if you really want to make the changes that you're talking about, that you enlist yourself in some of these meetings. And he was kind enough to look up meetings right in front of me, and uh, right after, right after the session with my therapist, I went straight to my very first meeting, November 1st of the year 2000. Wow. And from that day forward, I've been sober. Uh, you know, there, there, I've never had a, 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 a relapse in there. I've been a dry drunk a few times, but, but I have never, never had a relapse. Since. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty incredible. So early on there, one thing I do like to, to hear from the guests on the show, and I'd really like to hear from you, in those early days, what do you feel like the biggest thing that you struggled with was? Uh, you mean in, 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 in sobriety? Recovery? Yeah, in sobriety, yeah. You're starting to get sober. Like, what is, what is kind of the struggle for you? For some people, it's kind of getting out of their shell and, and different things like that. Obviously, it wasn't, a, a you know, uh, the financial side of things for you. So, what was the what was the struggle for you? Do you feel you like? know my biggest my biggest struggle uh, at the time, Jonathan, was the fact that I thought I was a better businessman drinking. I thought you know I had created this illusion about how much better I was drinking at everything, and it was merely merely an illusion. The reality is that I was losing business with a whole bunch of drunks. Okay, mm -hmm. they were probably were just as unstable as I was. We just kidded each other out because we're drunken the whole time. So how, how do we know who really who really is more stable or unstable than the other, right? right. Uh, because we, 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 we really do become the total sum of the five people we hang around with. So I can tell you that no one had brought to my attention my drinking because I was hanging around with a whole bunch of drugs, okay? So, uh, and, and I can see that clearly. So that was probably the first, the biggest, the biggest myth, the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge. And then the second biggest challenge, okay, was right at home. My wife was my drinking partner. And although, although she did not like the way I behaved when I drank, okay, she liked getting drunk with me because she was able to hide her problem of also being an alcoholic. Mm. Okay. So neither one of us knew that we're alcoholics. We just thought we're having fun and enjoying life. Right. 
but now faced with the fact that I get I get sober, I can tell you, uh, Valentine's 2001, okay, February 14th, I go to the office normal day, I come back home, my wife has been cooking all day, preparing a nice uh, dinner for us, you know, um, uh, it, you know, we're home alone, the baby is, 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 is only, it's less than a year old, you know, there's, there's a nanny at the house, and uh, we're going to have some romantic time moments. Uh, by the time I got home, uh, my wife had already been very typical cooking and drinking, which is very typical of, of many suburban wives. Uh, so she had been cooking and drinking, and she was already, you know, a little toasty by the time I get home. She prepares a, a wonderful, incredible set-down uh, dinner for, for romantic dinner for, for, for the two of us. And um, we start joking around, playing around, and she pours uh, a glass of wine for herself and a glass of wine for me. And I slide the glass of wine over, and I pass it over, just slide it over to her. And, uh, and she says, you're not going to drink it? I said, no. She said, can't you just drink one? I said, no, I can't. Okay, bear in mind, I had only been in sobriety four months, you know, three months, okay? But the one thing that I kept remembering uh, that my sponsor, and I got a sponsor the very first day I went to a meeting, okay? Told me it was wife or no wife, okay? Job or no job, which is in the book, you don't drink. And I kept remembering it, okay? As my wife keeps pressuring me, but at some point she gets a little belligerent, she pulls out the table clock, makes a mess out of everything. She says, you're no fun. You know, you used to be more fun when you drank. I left the house, got in the car, and I went to a meeting, okay? Uh, so, and then throughout the years, throughout the years of my sobriety, I went from, from you know, trying to, to not go to meetings, so I would not be as obvious to my wife, kind of keep the peace at home. And our marriage just kept deteriorating, her, her drinking kept getting worse, and, uh, and we kept getting further and further apart. So that was the biggest challenge in my early sobriety. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure there are going to be some listeners listening to that that have gone through the same thing or maybe, you know, having a tough time. And I haven't been there, although I am now married to the same woman that was watching me, you know, go through all of my my craziness and my addiction. So it, it's a it's a tough dynamic, right? And um but it sounds like you knew what you needed to do. And I think that's really the most, probably the most important part is that uh, even if someone is in a relationship where the other, uh, where their partner is still in active addiction, um, you still got to do what you need to do for your sobriety. Now, you've mentioned that you've, you've built several businesses. You've been very successful in business overall. I want to ask kind of what you feel like the relation between your recovery and being an entrepreneur is like do you see any parallels there between the two well it, it, today yes absolutely okay and also i saw back then okay and i i just i just told you earlier you know when i said that that, that uh you know we've become the total sum of the five people we spend the most time with, right so right. You know, when, when i did business uh, uh as an alcoholic or as a drunk i was doing business with a whole bunch of drunks right uh, and, and, and one of the reasons that although I, I had had an incredible ability and an incredible gift, and I, 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 I credit all of that to, number one, my father that had probably taught us the biggest lesson of entrepreneurship by being able to, 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 uh, to manage to raise 13 kids with a third grade education wow. and 
in, in very little skill, sort of the being a blue blue collar worker and managed to raise 13 children uh, and, and, and raise them to be decent members of society, right? right. So, so uh, you know, I, I had an incredible ability to, to, to be able to create businesses and be create great startups, but I also had an incredible ability to sabotage them, okay? So to answer your question, it's not an easy question. It's not a, it's, it's not a, a, a yes or no answer, okay? It's, it's a little bit more complex because I used to think I was a better entrepreneur, okay? A better businessman when I drink. Today, I believe that I'm a moral, okay? Good, honest, dispendable, trustworthy, okay? A socially credited entrepreneur because of all the shifts and changes I've made to my life, okay? And it was not, and I don't credit that just to my sobriety because sobriety is just part of the equation, okay? Recovery is part, is a transformation of the mind, soul, body, and spirit. And that opens up our mind and our dimensions into a completely different state that we are not able to reach when we're in our addictions, okay? But even beyond recovery, there's other states, okay? And those are the states that really elevate us to becoming the best version of ourselves. In order for me to be able to become the person that I wanted to be, because I always knew that even when I did the fucked up stuff, okay? I didn't feel morally correct. I didn't feel morally right, okay? I still had a moral angle, okay? Even though I came from very poor background and, and, and very dysfunctional household, I had a moral compass, okay? I just didn't know how to tap into it. Because what I had done, I had made my, my character defects and my shortcomings my survival mechanisms, okay? But those only carry you to a certain point until they become destructive towards you, okay? Anything that is built on a fallacy becomes a fallacy and it's not sustainable, okay? So I really had to completely uh, uh, deprogram myself and program myself in a different way in order for me to be able to operate as a respectable businessman, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call me, and operate from a completely different moral compass, but that's been even beyond recovery, okay? Because, uh, you know, I, I, I also believe that many of the systems, and I hope I don't offend anybody because I, first and foremost, I'm going to preface by saying this, I am completely grateful and respectful for Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12-step program. They literally saved my life, okay? But I also believe that there's more work that we have to do as individuals beyond that, okay? Yeah. The sitting on a 12-step meeting is not going to transform who I am. It's not going to change me. I needed to adapt other, other modalities, other, other powerful practices to empower me to operate from a completely different compass that I was used to uh, operating from because I had a negative default mode. I had to shift that into becoming... A, a, a completely different individual. And you are not going to find that in a recovery program. You are not going to find that in, a, in an AA meeting. That is work that you have to do by yourself. And I think that's why a lot of people relapse, okay? A, a lot of us relapse because we go to a program, we go sober, and, and we get sober, and we keep going to meetings, but then we don't know what to do with ourselves. And we keep seeing people that have been in the program you know, 30, 40 years, and they don't, they're not exactly the poster boys for joyous and free. They're not exactly the poster boys for being happy, okay? And I knew that I didn't want to be the grumpy, grouchy old man or woman sitting in a room miserable because I can't drink, okay? I had to shift my mindset 
to believe that I don't even think about the drink. I don't think about alcohol. It is not part of the equation, okay? Because I have replaced that with a completely different mindset that allows me to get on a natural ice based on my endorphins, okay? And I can only adapt that through my daily practices. That is not something that my sponsor is going to teach me. I don't care how long he's been in sobriety. Yeah, yeah, and no. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And look, I'm, I think, you know, when I came on the Coming Clean podcast, we, we had a discussion about this, I recall, you know, and it's kind of the, uh, the, the life beyond recovery or, or for you and I both in a 12-step program, uh, you know, there are other things that we need to be doing. And you know, look, that may look different for, uh, for everyone, but I think, you know, one topic that is uh, or thought that has come up on the show uh, especially more recently, is just the the value and importance of trying different things, right? Uh, because I, I don't know about you, but for me, um, I didn't know who the hell I was. You know, I certainly wasn't established yet, or or anything like that. So I, you know, I had to try a lot of different stuff to try to figure out, like, who, well, who the hell is this guy? You know, and and what does he like to do, and and how am I going to become this this man uh that, that i feel like i should be and um so i i get exactly what you're saying and i want to switch gears here into uh the podcast man you've had uh some incredible you i think you like just completely revamped uh the the show recently and it looks awesome it sounds awesome you've had a ton of really awesome guests one of those um you know i think you mentioned you're you're doing some work with uh one of my favorites uh, Dr. John Demartini, and and for the listeners, if you guys have not uh, listened to Dr. Demartini, I mean, you can hear him just about everywhere. He's an incredible speaker. Speaks to you know, uh, it, it, it's not recovery specific by any means, but I think speaks to a lot of this mindset stuff that we're talking about, right? And and that that's putting it very simply. I mean, this guy gets gets really deep into it and he has a lot of awesome stuff, but tell our listeners uh, a little bit about the podcast. Like what is about, what, what are you trying to bring to the listener, to the audience? Absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity, Jonathan. You know, I started the podcast as a platform uh, for recovery, mental health and addiction, you know, a way to, to take the meeting outside the meeting rooms, right? Uh, to be able to create a platform for those of us that may know that we have an issue but don't know how to deal with it and are not comfortable talking about it to somebody else, but perhaps through the podcast, it would be able to get engaged. And I can tell you that that we were very well received and the podcast exploded and, and we built a, a, a very respectable community, okay? But I also, I'm, I'm a great believer that I am more of recovery or mental health or entrepreneurship or a father or neighbor. Okay, I truly believe that when we reach a pinnacle of our being, we become fully complete. Okay, and 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 I feel that I have reached a state where I'm fully complete, but I'm still working progress. Okay, so when I when I when 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 I reached that point, um, I didn't want to just be a message about recovery or about addiction in a world that is multifaceted. In a world that is that that is literally uh, being plagued with a lot of changes and transformation and evolution and destruction and eruption of many systems that have been around for many many years. Okay, 
So people need to be able to know how to change and transform and evolve and grow and adapt to the new world that we're living in and that is constantly changing. Okay, so I changed the format of the podcast to bring together thought leaders from across the world to be able to converse, have a one-on-one conversation with an unknown like myself at the time, somebody that it was just a, 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 a drunk looking to get sober, okay, in recovery, looking to change and transform. And I think my, my, my journey, your journey is not unique, okay? Our stories are not unique. They're the stories of many people, yeah. okay? And, and, and I think a lot of times we put people or the, 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 the old structures have put a lot of people in an ivory uh, tower and they made them unreachable, okay, unapproachable, on, on, on okay, and I wanted to be able to bring people like John Demartini, who happens to be my neighbor, by the way, uh, John Demartini, John Ansaroff, Robin Sharma, Dean Graciosi, David Melser, uh, Stephen Kopler, and I can go on and on and on, and, and the list goes on of, of the upcoming guests, you know, Lisa Nichols is coming on the podcast, uh, Dan Flashman is coming on the podcast, and many other incredible thought leaders from across the world, okay, but I wanted to do it not because I was looking for ratings. I was looking for numbers. Of course, that helps, and we wanted, right? I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not denying that, okay? But I think it was important to be able to 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 bring uh, to the world, to the public at large, to our listeners, uh, to be able to bring this conversation from a very simplistic, uh, common layman's vocabulary where people can understand some of these modalities. They have transformed millions of people across the world. And that was my objective, okay? And I think we have done an incredible an incredible job doing it. And we, we hope to continue to do so uh, as long as the people are willing to listen. And it has really transformed not only the podcast, but me in the process for me to be able to have an opportunity to sit across individuals like John Martini or John Asra, you know, to sit in Tim Story's house and, and talk about his childhood and how he grew up, uh, to be able to set, set Sit down with Apache Grana uh, from from who is who is a, a number one speaking uh, um, uh, transformational speaker uh, wo- woman uh, who is also you know uh, a, a person that works a lot on, 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 on the secrets of manifestation and a lot of the things that that have been only available for the unique uh, for for the elite okay and I'm all, I'm able to democratize it okay. I'm able to bring it down to the to, to the general public through the podcast. I think it's an incredible opportunity, you know, and, and that's what I'm seeking to do. That's awesome. Yeah. And one thing that I, you know, one thing I like you mentioned, just as a side note, is uh, because I feel the same way. Like I've learned so much from interviewing different people, you know, and I think it's if we're really listening while we're doing an interview like this, it's kind of hard uh, not to be learning a, a few different things and yeah i mean that's that's awesome man. and i i love that you've changed the format of the podcast and i'll say you know we were talking about looking into things beyond a 12-step program or kind of beyond whatever the the recovery program is that we're in and you know someone like john d martini uh lisa nichols i mean these are just little examples and some of the things that these people are talking about is kind of what I would I would consider that part of that these new ideas that you know maybe like in a 12 step meeting someone might kind of just like kind of brush the surface a little bit of something and then you listen to some of these people and it's like 
wow, okay, this is this would not be talked about in a in a twelve step. And in a, again, not bashing twelve step because it saved my life. Not bashing any other recovery program, but there is there's I think what you're getting at. There's so much out there, right? There's so much out there. I, absolutely, Jonathan. As addicts, as alcoholics, whatever you want to la label yourself, right? I think our main issue is we're seeking, we're looking, and we're trying to find something beyond ourselves in order to understand ourselves and understand the world that we live in, okay? And when we're able to see practicalities like, like, like the teachings of Jonathan Martini and Lisa Nichols, that they're practical, but they make common sense, but they also make a major impact in your life and change your life forever, okay? I mean, practices that, you know, like, like, like the 5 a.m. club and Robert Sharma, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those rituals, a lot of those powerful practices have been packaged differently, okay? But it goes down to the same basic term, prayer, meditation, journaling, uh, exercising, eating well, sleeping well, right? So, but they have been packaged in such a different way that they have made seem that they're reachable and they're only for the 1%. They're unique and opportunities only for the elitists of the elitists, okay? When we're able to democratize that, when we're able to break it down in simple layman's terms and understand that the average Joe can find himself by being able to adopt some of those powerful practices into the daily life. And then in those rituals, in those powerful practices, they can find the high that they're looking for that is produced by our own bodies and we don't need to be touching any other substances, yeah. okay? Yeah. And I think those are the things that need to be integrated into any type of recovery program. And, and, and we have seen mocktails and we have seen, you know, non-alcoholic drinks and a lot of the, uh, the, the, the abstaining, a lot, which is driven and primarily driven uh, by, by Gen Zers and by millennials, okay? But because they have been able to tap to a different state of their mind, that my generation, maybe even your generation, uh, were not able to tap. And the power of information, the access to, to, to information and social media has allowed us to begin. And not only allows, forces to look at the world differently, okay? Or to question things. And I think that's what's beginning to happen. I think a lot of the addiction problems, where part of the problem was the fact that we kept it behind closed doors and we kept it in the closet, that we kept it anonymous, okay? When you bring something to the light, it blossoms. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's a really great point. And, and I think you also just touched on kind of the, to be fair, uh, you know, the other side of the coin here um, in what a 12-step or recovery program does have to offer. You know, we were talking about, okay, well, what's outside of that that can be beneficial to, uh, you know, to an addict like myself? Um, there are things, you know, I've had a lot of business coaches. I, like I said, I look into a lot of different things. I've done a lot of, you know, exploring and, and seeking, as you said, and there are a lot of things that they talk about that, you know, I've been very blessed that I found that stuff within recovery. And, and so, you know, I think there are kind of some of the beginnings of a lot of that stuff within something like a 12 step program. And, um, and you can go a little bit deeper you know, into some of those areas, but like the journaling and, and prayer and meditation, that was all stuff that I picked up from, you know, being in a 12 step program. But then you listen to, you know, these people that go around the world and get paid millions of dollars to speak or business coaches or mentors or whatever. And people are paying them a lot of money 
to learn some of the things that I did learn in a 12 step yeah. program too. So, so it, do, it does go both ways, but I think you make a, a really great point. Now I, I'd like to switch gears if that's okay. And I want to ask you a little bit about your book. So it's titled from lies to riches, 13 steps to a healthy life. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Absolutely. The, the, uh, uh, my book is a, my memoir. It's basically the story of my life. Okay. Broken down in 13 different chapters. Uh, and in each chapter, what I have done, I have applied each step of recovery. Okay. Uh, you know, admitting to that, you know, uh, admitting that I was an alcohol, you know, that I had a problem with alcohol and, and that I had become powerless. So each step and I, and what I, what I done with that, with that, each of the steps, I bring it back into what part of my life I was in, okay? And how did that step apply to my life? What was it that I did? What did I learn, okay? You know, and, uh, and I, I chronologically take my life into that problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution, based on the 12 step program, okay? Why 13 steps, okay? Because I truly believe, you know, uh, there, there, there's a little, there's, uh, there's kind of a, uh, the 13th step in, 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 in recovery is looked as a little bit of a tabooish, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, 13th step in a girl or a man in, in recovery, right? Yeah. Uh, but but I brought in the 13th step, number one, because it's catchy. But at the same time, the 13th step is what happens after recovery, which would happen to me. One of the reasons that I stopped, I became a dry drunk in recovery, okay, was because I reached the point where I, I just kept going to the meetings and I kept, I kept uh, hearing the same stories over and over and over and over and over, seeing people eating donuts and drinking a lot of coffees and smoking a lot of cigarettes and not seeing any growth out of themselves. Now, what I didn't catch on is that it was my responsibility to take home my own personal, develop my own personal growth, okay? So I kind of abandoned the program for a while and I became a dry drunk. And then I came back into the program actively in 2008, okay? But what I did different was I reworked the steps and then I looked, okay, at all the other modalities that I apply into my life in order for me to be really disconnected from who I was into who I wanted to become, okay? So the 13 steps talks about that process, you know, personal growth, personal development, um, if you may, uh, which I'm, I'm a huge advocate of, uh, hence the fact that why I have a lot of the speakers or a lot of the guests that I have on, 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 the, on the podcast, uh, but at the same time, you know, I realized that emotional development, okay, and personal development go hand in hand, okay? And one of the things that recovery did for me helped me get in touch with my emotional development, okay? It took me back, it broke me down into childhood, into where the problem, where the root of the problem was. I was able to pick up, see, the problem I had encountered when I kept sabotaging myself when I kept looking for the isms, alcoholism, womanism, whatever you want to call it, was I was, I, I kept bringing that broken six-year-old immigrant kid that came home to a two-bedroom, one-bed home with broke parents, okay? I kept thinking that one that boy into the boardroom, into the marriage, into the partnership. When I was able to go back, pick up that kid, embrace him and let him go and tell him he was now safe and adult, okay, at my current age, my emotional development caught up with my biological age and I was able to act and behave in the manner that I should have been behaving, okay? I couldn't understand that and I would have never been understand that, number one, if I hadn't gotten sober, number two, if I hadn't entered recovery, more importantly, 
had I not seek to learn more about life and understanding personal development, personal growth, evolving and revolution and, and, and evolution, okay, beyond recovery. Yeah, yeah. No, and I know that's something you're you're passionate about, and um, and, and I get it because it's something that, and again, you and I discussed this. Uh, I've seen some of those same things, you know, and it's not a, uh, it's not a judgment thing, right? It's not like, oh, I'm judging these people. Like they're such bad people. They're not doing X, Y, Z. It's for me, it's I'm, I'm judging the, what I'm seeing in that, Hey, that's not really what I want. You know, that's, that, that's not what I want. I, I want something more than that. And so I think it is important that, that you do talk about, uh, you know, this life beyond recovery. Um, because I, I think there are a lot of people out there and, and you said seeking that, that that's such a good point. I, I think that's, that's dead on that are maybe had been sober for a long time. And it's like, they still feel like what's missing, right? What's and, missing. And, and Jonathan, I, I, to your point and to clarify, and I say this with a lot of love and respect, when I, when, when I made a description of what I saw in my witness of the mirrors, it was only an observation. It was not a criticism of such. Sure, yeah. yeah. But, but I think I, I think that that environment or that culture was developed, okay? Was developed with a system that became stagnant, okay? Mm. Whether, whether it was an isolated incident, but but we have seen that, okay? Yeah. I, I, and I, I think, I think as, as members of our community, Okay, as members of recovery, as members of Alcoholics Anonymous, we have to be able to lead by example. We have to be able to go back into those meetings, okay, uh, in, 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 in a very um, gracious way, reintroduce uh, some of these things that we're talking about, okay? But typically, it's going to take a couple of generations to be able to transition and something like this to be adoptable. I think that the first step was forced into us when a lot of the meetings, uh, because of COVID, went into Zoom meetings, okay? Uh, yeah. A lot of the anonymous meetings became gathering points at, at, at Zoom. And we were holding Zoom meetings with people from all over the world. We had no idea that we're, we're anonymous. Now you're seeing your neighbor, your, you know, whatever, right? So I think that was a major step because it was a disruption that was created to us or brought to us by the universe. It was not something that we wanted to do. So a lot of times, a lot of times we need to look at the world and see what is the lesson that is teaching us. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and I think for me, that was the biggest, biggest lesson I ever, I ever, I had had in, 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 in my life. You know, COVID was my biggest teacher so far yet because it made me look at the world completely different. It made me question my beliefs, my rituals, my habits. Okay. Uh, the way I ran business, the way I, I father everything and make me question everything because for the first time I was able to pause and listen without distraction. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. And, and just to, you know, one more point to your observation, just about what you saw in, in, in the rooms and I've seen as, as, as well, you know, I wasn't picking on that. Like I, I agree, like, you know, it was, uh, I didn't want to be stagnant at the same time i knew the main reason i knew what that was is because there were other people other men that i saw that were not that they were were excelling in other areas of life um and seemed to be growing in other ways and 
you know, surprise to surprise, like come to find out they were doing the, some of these other things that we're kind of talking about beyond uh, just, you know, a 12 step program or, or something like that. And one of the things for me right off the bat is like, I saw that the guys that had what I wanted, like they had made fitness part of, of their recovery and, and, you know, physical health. And that made sense to me. So, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really great point. And, and I'm sure that, um, well, I can say that, yeah, COVID has changed my thinking a lot and, yeah. and I'm sure it has our listeners too. Now, before we wrap up here, I think you've shared a, a lot of, of really solid, valuable stuff here today. I'm wondering if there's maybe one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation, whether it's for someone that's, uh, you know, sober curious, so to speak, someone that's been struggling to uh, stay sober, or maybe someone that's been sober for a while that can't really figure out, you know, that that next step in life, if you've had any advice that you'd like to share with them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and, and I'm going to talk from my personal experience, right? You know, for a long time, I'm not only talking to, to the person with the problem, but I'm also talking to the family member. You know, because I was one of the most successful ones or the most successful one in my family, uh, I was a, the rainmaker. I was the one that employed all of my siblings into the company and, and was, was really changing uh, a, a, a generational cycle, right? Um, no one ever talked to me about my issues, about my problems, how I behave, how I reacted how fucked up I got the family gatherings and how I misbehave. Nobody wanted to rock the boat, okay? And I think, I think my behavior, a lot of times our behavior is a desperate call for help. We're asking for help, okay? Nobody likes to misbehave or behave inappropriately. Nobody likes to get out of control. That is a, not any nice behavior for us human beings, okay? So, so, so the first advice I would, I, I, I would suggest is, um, uh, if you see somebody that is behaving like that in a way that you know that it's not that it's not normal that that, 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 that they feel self-destructive, pull them out aside. Don't embarrass them. Don't mock them. Pull them aside. Ask them if there's something you can do. That would be the first thing that I that, that I recommend for the person that may feel that they're struggling, okay, with alcohol, with drugs, with addiction. If you are, if that thought even is is in your head then you probably have a problem. It's a great likelihood to have a problem, okay? If you don't know what to do, just try slowing down. If you can't slow down, then ask for help. There is multiple, there's more resources available today than when I was, than when I would got sober, okay? Because we still lived in an era of an anonymity, okay? Today, sobriety, sober curious, you know, uh, one year, no beer, um, you know, mocktails, there's a plethora of opportunities for anybody in support groups that want to even explore the possibility of not drinking, okay? So get that pressure off your mind. You can still be anonymous if that's your choice, okay? But there's a plethora of information, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or Facebook groups or Google or YouTube or whatever. There's a lot of information available. The sober community as a whole it's a very kind, loving, supportive community, okay? And there's hundreds of people across the world that are willing to help a brother and sister that may need or want help, okay? But a lot of times, when we are in the process of our addiction, because we don't know who we, who we are, okay? We confuse 
asking for help or, surre uh, or surrendering would give it up. Surrender is not given up, it's given into the possibility of living a better life. Wow. I love that. That that is a very important distinction right there. And, and that's a lot of really, really solid advice. So you can connect with Peter on Instagram at Peter O. Estevez. And you can learn more about his podcast, a podcast, excuse me, at comingcleanpodcast.com. Thanks again for coming on the show, Peter. Thank you, Jonathan. Enjoy it. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.